Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm pretty swell. How are you? You're pretty swell. Yeah. It's a cool word. (laughs) You're the only person I know who uses that word. I don't understand why because it's a fantastic word. I'm just saying. Well, that could be debated. I mean, pretty swell. What does that mean? Are you enjoying the ocean swell or are you swelling? What's swelling? I don't know this. How can you be swelling? What does that mean? It means you're, uh, you know, puffing up and getting bigger and have the inflammation oh, somewhere. Oh, I do know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I just momentarily was like, what this are you brain talking your ankle, about? it swells. <laughs> no, no. I got I'm you, pretty I got swell, you. she says. Well, does that mean you've got a sprained ankle? That means my heart is happy, I guess. Is that what it means? I don't know. Yeah, we should probably find out what the origin of that word is. That's true. It's a cool word. It is. Hey, what are you thankful for today, Lyle? Ooh, 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 ooh. I have to think about that for a second. I did have something ready for yesterday and then I used it and now I haven't (laughs) got a new – I've been doing this for so long, I think I've been – I think I should be allowed to start recycling them again. No, no. There's things every day. Okay, okay, there is something I'm thankful for. Go on then. There's a tree outside of our window nice. that I never knew that it was a flowering tree oh. before, but it got severely pruned uh, this last winter uh-huh. and it's come back looking absolutely amazing. And, of course, it has flowered like crazy, as trees often do when you place them under a bit of stress. Mm. I've never seen it flower before. But now it has? Oh, yeah, huge blossoms all over. Look, look, look at the window. Oh, I thought you were talking about your window at home. No, 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 window oh. right there, window right there. Oh, got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's cool. Uh, that's all right. Give Minnie a, give Minnie a moment. She, she, <laughs> she'll, she'll wake up here soon. She, she. <laughs> Look, I never looked that way. Well, on occasion. You're listening knows, to the but... Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You know, I was just thinking about this idea this morning. Quick side note before I give you some positively different news. I just finished uh, listening to Prince Caspian, the audiobook. Because I haven't listened to the Chronicles of Narnia for ages. And there was a section right at the end, which I just thought was super interesting. So there's the characters, Prince Caspian, who he's Prince Caspian. And then Aslan. I have no idea what you're talking about. But really? Anyway. Have you never read the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah, but I was maybe 12 at the time. Hey. Okay. Well, anyway, basically Aslan, who is representative of God, I think is the idea, um, who's the lion, he's giving um, Prince Caspian the history of his lineage. And like his genealogy, whatever. And he gets to this point and Prince Caspian says, oh, I was wishing I came from a more honourable lineage. And the response is, you come from the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve, said Aslan. And that is both honour enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. Be content. And I was thinking about that. I was like, wait, that's actually legit. I mean, we're creating the image of God. So you lift your head. Absolutely. At the same time, be aware yeah, you have some stuff in you that isn't that great, so you walk humbly. You know, I was just like, that's good. That's that's good. Good statement right there. I like, <laughs> it. I like it when I read a good thought-provoking statement that, you know, really challenges me in my Christian experience. Absolutely. Hey, yeah. yeah. You can't swing too far one way or the other because it's both. That's right. Anyway, here's some positively different news. Okay, I just thought this was a cool story because I have been looking at nature videos recently. Just, you know, that YouTube vortex. I've been watching all these TED Talks about how trees talk to each other and how tomatoes can plant and all kinds of interesting things. Um, right. And, 
<laughs> no, it's <Yes>. scientific. <laughs> okay, so, Minnie, there is this thing, right, where you don't believe everything you see on the internet. No, 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 but I, like, it's not it's, just it's, TED it's, Talks. It's, it's definitely scientific that trees talk to each other. Not as in the way we speak, but as yeah, in, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll say they, <laughs> they communicate with each other. Right. Yeah, so in their yes. kind of tree way. So you... There's connection, basically. tree language and no, go and have Oh, look here. You, you, <laughs> you cynic of nature. You. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was reading this story. And so there's this man. His name is Maurice Chappelle. Um, he's an old fella in Hamilton, New Zealand, and he's growing a forest in his backyard. So he loves trees, native he was, trees. He was lonely, obviously. Well, no, actually, Missing he just... conversation. <laughs> Look here. No, he, he actually loves birds. So his thing was, hmm, how do I hear more birds? We grow more trees, have more forests, make the place green. Have less cats. <laughs> have less cats. That's also real. Over there, probably also less possums because they like to destroy some of the native things over there. But, yeah, so he, stu- he you know, obviously... Gets the seeds, he plants them, he waters them morning and night. Hey man, he looks after them. I think it's funny as he says that his life, when he can't sleep, he thinks about his trees, and when they're too cold, he heats them with an electric blanket. So he, he's- he what? <laughs> he heats his trees with an electric blanket. Look, okay. he just grow them in a hot house. Well, he only has a um, it's it's pretty small area. He has it's just like a government housing little spot in his backyard. Well, make the whole thing into a hot house. Just cover it with plastic and away you go. Well, it's cheaper to never just gonna, heat them. Never, never going to get cold. <laughs> Look, it's probably true. But his wife reports that he says that when he has 10,000, it'll be enough, but he's up to already about 12,000 um, that he's just grown. And then he gives them away. Like, yes, yeah, so he's got a back of the council flat where he um, grows them. I was going to say 10,000 trees in the back, back no, of no, the council no. flat is going to um, <laughs> be quite the forest. Yeah, no, so he, he starts to grow them and then just gives them away for free or sends them out, just, you know, doesn't ask anyone for um, delivery, uh, payment for delivery. He just ships them off to around the country because his mission is, said, like I said, to just fill a space with forest so that the forest fill, will fill with birds. So in his house he has lots of trees that he's starting to grow and also lots of miniature figurine sort of things of all the different birds. So does he grow just native trees or does he grow all kinds of trees? Just native trees to New Zealand. Um, That's his passion. Just native anything, native animals, Uh native trees, which I actually think is really cool. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't mind, you know, people having, you know, all kinds of different trees in their garden. I've probably got non-native trees in my garden, pretty sure I do. Mm. Uh, But, you know, native trees are the best. Oh, yeah. Okay, and another story, a Rhode Island fifth grader, so we're going over to the US now, and a family friend swept off, uh, swept snow off dozens of hospital workers' cars when a huge storm hit um, this past week. And they've been getting some snow over there. Well, yeah, apparently. Lots of snow. They've been having some hectic snowstorms. And so they basically wanted to thank the hospital workers for um, the work during the pandemic. So Christian is 10 years old, and Abby Mesmer, I think, Mesmer. Anyway, she went to... Uh, they went to Westerly Hospital around shift change and as doctors, nurses and other staff came out um, and walking to their cars, Abby said that they kind of made it a game where, you know, they'd see who had the remote control and when the lights were blinking, they'd kind of rush over and try clean it as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, that's something that would never would have happened, say, 30 years ago. 
Because you didn't have the remote control thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, and so Abby also says that she actually doesn't love the cold, so if it was just her, she wouldn't have done it. Um, but because she could see how much it meant to Christian, she was like, okay, yep, let's do it. And he came up with the whole idea to do this because there was a big sto- uh, snowstorm last year, and he's like, oh, man, we need to go help people. And he's known to, around his neighbourhood, when it snows, just go help neighbours, you know, clean off their cars. So it wasn't something that's completely unfamiliar to him. But they said they had to change their clothes twice because, you know, it'd get soaking wet and freezing cold. I concur. I'm not a cold person. So I was like, man, go you, Abby. Um, but, yeah, so some someone offered – well, many offered to pay. Of course, they all said no, except for two nurses who insisted that they would get mad if Christian didn't take the money. So then he kind of felt like, oh, but I want to help. Oh, oh, okay, but I don't want you to be mad at me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and so they end up cleaning about 80 cars in four different employee parking lots. And I imagine that would be quite nice. You come out, it's cold, you've had your shift, and then you have a clean car. You want to go home away. and yeah. you've got to clean the snow off the windscreen before you can go anywhere. Yeah, and then there's these random people just like... We All got done. you. Yep. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I, I must say I'd love to experience a proper snow experience, but just once. Just just once yeah, and then yeah, I'd be done. Yeah, like just yeah. one solid day. <laughs> uh, I'm probably getting ready for my next snow fix. Oh, when was your last snow fix? Oh, it was quite a few years ago. I'm thinking most possibly even as far as 10 years ago. Nice. So, yeah, probably probably starting to get towards <laughs> it again. But, you know, living in the States and, you know, living in Wisconsin, places like that, cleaning the windscreen of your car is something you do every time you drive your car. Oh, nah. Just every single time you drive, it's just part of the routine. You go and start the car, you mm. clean off the windscreen, you wait for the uh, engine to warm up. Um, hopefully it's already a little bit warm because you've already warmed it up by plugging it into the house yeah. beforehand and, uh, and away you go. Yeah. Look, go them. <laughs> I have some friends. Just this morning I was listening to a voice message from my sis and she was like, oh, let's go because we're talking about going down to Jindabyne for this, like winter this year. And I'm about that life but mostly for the like hot chocolate and people time, <laughs> less so for the cold. <laughs> but no, I just think this is a cool, cool thing. Yeah, every doing. now and then. Every yeah, now and then yeah, it's kind of kind of cool. Once in a while. Anyway, we're going to listen to The Lesser Light Collective with I Saw a Tree. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, so Minnie, the new vaccination passport, what are your thoughts? Is that the one where you're not allowed to travel without vaccinations? Yes. And maybe other things. Maybe you're not allowed to go into an old person's home. Maybe you're not allowed to go into a hospital. Maybe you're not allowed to go into a pub or a bar. I mean, those are all maybes at this point. Mm. Uh, But Qantas has said that you won't be travelling without it. Look, I don't love being told what to do. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I don't love that idea. Also, I mean, I know it's different because you have more people, but domestically, I don't know if any of you guys have been on planes like while COVID has been happening. It was probably last year I flew down from Queensland to New South Wales and I found it a bit ridiculous because it was all social distancing and all the things until we got in the plane, and that was a full plane, and we were just yeah, so next you stand to each in other. line. You stand in line to check in. You stand yeah, in yeah. line to go through security, yeah, and you've you all got to be hand sanitizing. Like, yep, uh, one and a half meters apart, and then you get on the plane. And you're jammed in, just rubbing jammed shoulders in. with somebody next to you. Yeah, and so I guess the difference is an international flight. It's a longer flight, but I'm kind of like, well, and also with an international flight, you know, we don't have much COVID here in Australia. Yes, that's true. That's uh, true. And 
So, you know, that means that we can run a domestic economy, maybe not an international one, but we can run a domestic economy. Mm, that's true. What are your thoughts? Okay, so this is a, there's a number of different things that sort of come up. So the uh, this has only been proposed so far. Mm. It's not a thing. Um, does have a lot of people freaking out and possibly rightly so. I don't know. Um, but it, the first thing is that uh, the vaccination here in Australia is not mandatory and we've been promised that by the government, mm. despite the fact that there's been a whole bunch of stuff going around on social media like, oh, we're going to be forced to have this vaccination. No, ScoMo said you won't be forced to have your vaccination. Um, if it does go as far as pubs and clubs, will it go as far as churches? I don't know. I tend to think not. Now, uh, clinical epidemiologist Fiona Stanway from the University School of Public Health says that we don't know if the vaccination is going to affect transmission, mm -hmm. which seems odd to me. So you get a vaccination so you don't get the disease, but you can still transmit the disease because you don't have the disease. I don't really understand that. I need a medical professional to explain that to me. Well, um, it's the idea that you can still pass it, but the vaccination is meant to protect you from actually... Okay, up. so you, can, you can pass it on your skin maybe or you can – I don't know. She says people may still have an asymptomatic case and could transmit, the, transmit that to others. Now, so it's really I'm, not getting rid of COVID. Well, I'm assuming that an a person who has an asymptomatic case mm. is somebody who is in the small percentage, mm. the 5%, who have the vaccination and still catch the disease. Because mm -hmm. no vaccination is perfect yeah. and, you know, some vaccination is like 60% effective and so forth and so they're you know it's kind of like wearing a seatbelt sometimes you're better off without it but you're always going to wear it because mm. the majority of time you're going to be better off with it um so maybe that's what that's about i really don't know mm. my, my question is this how is the new vaccination passport different from the old one i don't know i mean the vaccination passport's always been i've always had a vaccination passport in my passport seriously yeah well not always but for a very very long time hey and it's been required and it's been checked every time I've come through from, you know, certain countries. Uh, you've got to show your yellow fever vaccination um, as a requirement of entry into Australia. So, so my, my question is, yeah, yeah, for yeah, certain countries. Yeah. Uh, my question is, how is this different? Mm. So we've always had freedom to travel to Brazil. Yeah. We just haven't had freedom to come back from Brazil, <laughs> you know, and we've always had freedom not to have a yellow fever vaccination. You just don't get to travel to Brazil and come back, mm. you know, or some other yellow fever country. Um, so I've been to quite a few yellow fever countries where, you know, they, you come back through, you hand over your passport, and then the next thing is they ask for your vaccination passports. You hand that one over just to show that you've... So I'm wondering how it's different from that. Wouldn't it just be that they want every person who's travelling to have... The, yeah, it's just the same yeah. thing, but for everyone. Yeah, I'd assume. For everyone. Yeah. So I've that, never and that's been around that. for, what, 50 years? 60 know. years? Something like that. A very, very long time here in Australia. By the way, uh, the word swell. Oh, here we go. Yeah? Yes. Um, meaning something good and positive. Yeah. Uh, began as somebody who was fashionably dressed or equipped um, around 1810 in the United States. Okay, so definitely not me. <laughs> grew from there into somebody who was just happy with life. Yep. Um, and faded out in the 1950s and 60s. No, nah, we're bringing it back. Yep. Produce your shell, shell and and we'll make it happen. it comes from the ocean swell because when the ocean swell comes, the water rises. Mm. And so you've got somebody who is rising in society, they're fashionably dressed, oh. somebody who's rising in their spirits, they are happy and well. 
Yeah, see, right, let's, that. Well. let's bring so, it back, guys. Let's make it happen. All right, other stories. Look what we got here, real quick. Do a run around the world. We've got a glacier burst in India, nine dead, uh, 170 missing, uh, mm. combined with uh, major snowstorms in the United States. Uh, four dead in Utah as a result of uh, avalanches there, heavy snow, gale force winds lashing the UK. Uh, we've got Vietnam, they're culling uh, 100,000 chickens in an attempt to hold back bird flu. Uh, so, yes, these are some of the things that are happening around the world right now just to uh, yeah, give us a quick mm. Signs of the Times update. Lockout laws in King's Cross are about to be abolished on March 8. So uh, at the moment, yeah, your last drinks are at one thirty and come in a plastic cup. Now it's going to be at 3.30 and come in a glass cup. Uh, not hard to figure out exactly what's going to take place there. Violence and, you know, uh, criminality and death is going to be on the rise again. The police are going to be very, very busy. And, of course, they are very, very upset about these changes and have voiced that quite uh, a lot. But uh, I guess the New South Wales government is determined to try and find some way of wait, making more money, mm. despite yeah. the fact that there have been bars that have been opening in King's Cross during this time period. So obviously they're not struggling too much. Mm. But alcohol fueled violence, alcohol, and you know, and, and and this is the thing with alcohol. Really, you're just touching the surface when you look at what is taking place in in pubs and bars because that's what lands in the media. Mm. The real violence is what is taking place in people's homes, yeah. and of course, that's been a terrible thing uh, during some of the more severe lockdowns that we've had here in Australia in which people have still had access to alcohol. If only if we'd done like some countries did and cut off access to alcohol, they had massive drops in domestic violence during COVID. It kind of makes you wonder how much this has affected everything. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Anyway, joining us on the phone this morning, changing the subject, um, is Daniel Kubrick from Signs of the Times. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing, Wild? Good to hear from you again. Yeah, fantastic to hear from you as well. Hey, um, I understand that you've got uh, a little bit of uh, change of staff that are happening down there at the moment. We're going to be hearing from somebody else next week, is uh, next month, is that right? Yeah, potentially. I mean, potentially you might be hearing from me again. Sorry to disappoint, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, we do have... We do have a new editor of the magazine. His name is Jared Stuckleroth, so we do want to get him acquainted uh, with Faith FM listeners as soon as possible. So, uh, yeah, very likely that he'll be talking to you guys next month. Fantastic. Well, we kind of figured that you knew more about uh, singers. He has only just joined the team. We kind of figured you'd know more about the uh, the last one than uh, what Jared does. So, um yeah, potentially we'll talk to you now, I guess. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's um, right. um, what can you tell us about the latest edition of Signs of the Times magazine? What's our, what's our cover story there? Yeah, so we have uh, 11 ed- editions a year, so we didn't actually have an edition in January. So, you know, all of us busting in the office to get the latest edition out, and now it's come out now that it's February, so very exciting. Um, our main article is actually called where is God in the pain of systemic injustice? And it looks at issues of, of homelessness, issues of poverty, um, and then looks at, you know, what a lot of people would find interesting is that there are Bible characters who went through the same things. So, for example, you look at um, the book of Exodus in the Bible, talks about slavery. Um, it looks at Jesus, uh, a character in the Bible uh, that many people wouldn't actually suspect to be a victim of systemic injustice. And yet 
a lot of Christians would be able to tell you that uh, for most of his life, he was actually homeless, which is pretty interesting. So it kind of unpacks those things and, and compares modern day uh, instances of poverty back to, to Bible times, which is a, a very interesting piece. And it also sort of challenges people to, you know, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to help the community? Like, how did how did Jesus deal with the injustice that he saw back in the day? Um, so it's a very challenging sort of read, but an interesting one because it sort of brings to light these sort of issues that um, instead of, you know, ignoring one can sort of confront. I think a lot of people forget also that, you know, Jesus himself was a refugee. That's right, yeah. Now, Very um, interesting. And who's the author of the uh, article? So her name is Amy Orr Ewing. So she's from the UK. So she obviously looks at um, instances of instances of poverty in uh, in Peckham in southeast London. So yeah, um, but again, this is not an issue that's sort of isolated to just the UK. Like as we know, uh, in you know, I'm a Sydney sider. So you walk through the city and there's there's people asking for money asking for food um it's not it's a it's a global issue amongst you know in third world countries and first world countries yes and of course um you know if you were to compare say sydney with you know somewhere like um calcutta or mumbai or something like that um you know <laughs> you could hardly compare the poverty that we have here in, in in a country like this compared to you know other places in the world where there's just massive amounts of poverty now yeah 100 um okay so take us through the magazine what else have we got stories about there yeah, we got we got quite a few interesting stories. I think one of the ones that uh, Faith FM listeners might find most interesting, because we actually did a podcast with the author about it that's actually playing this week, is an article called Competition versus Cooperation in a Crisis. Now, uh, this author is great. He's great. He's one of my favorites that we, that we get to write for us. His name is Mark Delaney, and he is a, a lawyer. And speaking of poverty, uh, his, his life story is crazy. So he... He moved to India to live in an Indian slum for quite a number of years. So instead of just um, going on a mission trip to help out, he actually wanted to integrate himself into the society and see if he could actually help out in those systemic issues, which is very inspiring. And these days now, he, he does a lot of protesting on human rights issues, on climate change issues. So that's the sort of background of this article. He actually writes about what if countries could work together to come up with solutions um, to problems like, you know, um, obviously he looks at problems in the world today as um, being there being potential solutions if we work together. So um, we actually unpacked that quite a bit more in the podcast because then we talked about, well, what if one party wants to cooperate, but another party doesn't? Or what if one party is pushing a different agenda what if one country is pushing a different agenda? Or even on a personal level, what if a person is being difficult, but you're trying to do the right thing? Like, where, where's, do you compromise? Do you, like, stand firm? Do you press? Like, what are the biblical examples? Like, did Jesus do, how did Jesus behave? So that podcast is, podcast, sorry, podcast is actually running this week. Um, I highly recommend for people to check it out. And if you've missed it on Faith FM, then of course it's on our website, which is signsofthetimes.org.au. Um, I think that one will be very, very helpful, uh, very informative for a lot of people to listen to. Yeah, and that does sound interesting because, I mean, you know, the nature of our world is that, you know, governments are going to move to the left and then they're going to move to the right and then they're going to move to the left and that's just 
that's just how it's always going to be. And so, you know, how do you deal with a country that is on the opposite side of the equation to what you are? And of course, yeah, you know, coming all the way down to the actual individual, because that happens very much on an individual level. How do we as Christians relate to people who are on the opposite side, so to speak, of the political divide? You know, do we do we allow these kind of things to cause friction and 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 angst between us? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree, Lyle, because um, there's definitely a sense of accountability that that brings, which is very important. That's why um, having people of a whole different array of opinions on a whole different array of things is very important. But also, at what point does it become unproductive to sort of butt heads? And at what point should there be compromises made? Like, it's a very important discussion to have. Um, and yeah, what Mark suggests is like to always seek to cooperate where possible is, is an interesting sort of concept. Mm, mm. Fascinating stuff. What else have we got happening in Signs of the Times? So there's another article which is about the secret superpowers of strength building for women. So now this is a very interesting one because while well, I've tried to get my girlfriend to come to the gym with me sometimes and she's super hesitant about it because she says, oh, you know, if I if I go to the gym with you, I'm just going to become very bulky. Like, I don't know, maybe she has this idea in her head that she's going to become like a, a massive bodybuilder or something. But this, this article is really interesting because it actually suggests otherwise. It says that strength building, then, you know, a lot of people think cardio for weight loss, you know, running, um, that sort of stuff. But strength building, so using weights, is actually very helpful for weight loss, um, not just cardio. Um, improved movement, more energy, reduced stress. Um, to be honest, Lyle, I can tell you for for a fact from my experience that when you go to the gym, it's very helpful for, for one's mental health. And I know a lot of people who feel the same. So it's the same for women. It's the same for, for men. It's, uh, it's a very helpful sort of activity to take part in. Absolutely, and I can uh, testify that uh, back when I used to go to the gym, yeah, I didn't uh, bulk up at all. Many, have you been a gym user? Yeah, I'll go to gyms. Uh-huh. I um, I don't know. I think I like have the you, idea. Have you, have you ever bulked up and become a you know a bodybuilding? Oh muscle no, woman? I never get tank. But it is pretty exciting when you're like, I'm stronger than I used to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's true though, and they are saying more and more that that's the case, right? And it kind of makes sense to me. Like you think back in the day before people had gyms, you were still very functionally fit. You know, you had to carry stuff and lift stuff. And some of the strongest women I know are mums who have to carry their kids. And I guess that's sort of like lifting weights. And <laughs> I think it's very much like lifting weights. Yeah, no, that's mm. cool. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you've got an article there, Daniel, that you can uh, um, use to convince your wife to join you at the gym. I think it's a great idea. Hang out at the gym together. Great art- article idea for the future. Yeah, possibly. Well, I mean, first of all, I may probably need to use my girlfriend as a case study because she's been talking recently again about joining the gym. So I'm like, hmm, very interesting. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, let's see where this one goes. Stay tuned. Maybe next month's story. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we have another article that I also think is pretty interesting, which is about uh, plant-based milks. So that, that's a massive thing right now, right? You go down the milk aisle and there'll be a few dairy milks and probably the rest of them are plant-based. Uh, and it talks about which ones are the best for the environment because obviously uh, plant-based milks still take up resources. Mm. Uh the milk that I personally drink is is a pretty pretty weird one. I don't think I've ever met anyone else who drinks it, but I drink pea protein milk, mainly for me uh, because it's got 
sort of the highest amount of protein that a lot of plant-based milks have. But there are a lot of grape ones. Sorry, not grape, great ones. Uh, you give, you've got hazelnut, rice, oats, um, almond, coconut. Like to be honest, the the range of them is just crazy. Like that, you can make milk out of pretty much anything these days. But it pretty much goes through and assesses which ones have like a, a positive environmental impact, which ones take up less resources. See, if you want to choose a plant-based milk, you're probably thinking, oh, I don't want to, you know, stress um, like dairy resources. You know, there's cows out there and stuff. Um, what can I do to have a, a positive environmental impact? So this kind of runs through what, so, what some of your options would be. And I think it's a, you know, it's a great article. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, uh, I'm a drinker of plant-based milk. Um, and mm-hmm. my sole reason for drinking plant-based milk is because it tastes so much better than cow's milk. I don't want to re- drink something from a cow when I can drink something from a plant. It just, it just tastes better. What's, what's your thoughts on this one, Minnie? You are, you a plant-based milk person? Oh, yeah, but I actually – so I grew up on So Good because my brothers would get ear infections from normal milk. Yes. And so I <laughs> I just kind of stopped drinking anything for years. So on cereal, I would just have nothing or water, like it would be dry. I did that for about five years, at yeah. least five years. And then I became a student years ago. I'm still slogging away. And I was just like, I'm not spending money on milk. Like, And now I've gone back to it, and so I'm all about that, like, Plant milk, um, but I actually, see. I actually really liked the taste of normal milk. It just makes me very unwell. So, so Daniel drinks the pea milk. I drink the soy milk. Which one do you drink? Or which one's your favourite? Oh, hmm. look! I believe that coconut is the gift that God gave humanity. So there you go, loves coconut us, milk. But I don't buy it because it's like if it was from an actual coconut, that's where it's at. I don't want to go to the store and buy coconut milk. We'll go and buy a coconut. Surely there's somewhere where you can buy a coconut. Yeah, it's got to be a good coconut. Yeah, I think that's a great article. I, I'm, I'm keen to actually read that one for myself and find out which ones are the, uh, are the best ones for you. I've just always bought mine by taste. And the reason that I didn't drink any milk and had water on my cereal for about five years was because, well, back then it was before the days of So Good and Alternatives. Yeah. And so it was like, well, if you're not going to drink real milk, then you just put water on it. And I couldn't stand real milk. It was just like, oh, that's just disgusting stuff. Yeah. But anyway. I'm inclined to agree, though, about the soy milk the soy milk thing because I grew up on soy milk. So whenever I tried real milk, or sorry, not real milk, that's that's a condescending term. Uh, whenever I tried cow's milk, the meat tasted so, like, so different, so gross. Um, but, I mean, that's again, that's because I was raised on so, so good, sanitarium mm-hmm. so good. So, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how one's experiences growing up are, like, sort of shape this. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Uh, a little bit of time left. One more article real quick. Just uh, give us a brief rundown just to whet our appetite for what we might find in Science Magazine. Yeah, sounds good. So we have a new series this year called uh, Big Questions. So we, we pretty much set out and we, we were going to ask, we've asked a whole bunch of authors to write about um, bigger picture questions that people who might not know much about Christianity would have to Christians, to the Bible, to explain things. So... One of those articles is we have a, uh, a very well-known um, uh, person with a doctorate in, um, well, he, he has degrees in engineering and philosophy, um, but he's also a public writer and speaker. He writes, uh, that's Dr. Sven Erstring. He writes for us about where the unis- universe came from. Um, so, you know, this series sort of defends a Christian point of view and sort of he looks at the big bang versus creation 
um, what's the sort of the scientific arguments for both and what's the sort of a, a logical sort of conclusion about where the universe came from. It's a very interesting article. It's very in-depth. There's um, some scientific evidence in there, which a lot of people will find it useful as well. Um, it's a great article, honestly, and we're going to get Dr. Sven onto the podcast again in the near future. So that's something else that Faith FM listeners can listen out for in the near future. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. And of course, if you would like to get your copy of Science Magazine, the hub for that is um, signsofthetimes.org.au. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.